Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke Burrow. I am the family and ministry coordinator here at CBC Ilderton. With me, as always, is our lead pastor, Andrew Hall. You are joining us for our second part of a three-part summer series we're doing, these first two on our favorite books in the Bible. Last week, we talked about our favorite books of the New Testament, talked a little bit about Ephesians and also Matthew. Now we're here to go back to the Old Testament. A couple more books. The the amount of books to choose from for us is a, is a little bit bigger here in the Old Testament, but as as with last week, we've we've done our best to try to try to pick one. Although I think I think Andrew may have cheated a little bit. I think he's going to bring two for you this week, but that's okay. We'll 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 let that slide. <laughs> so Andrew, we're talking about our favorite books of the Old Testament. Let's just jump right into it. What what are your favorite books of the Old Testament? Uh, someone once asked me if uh, if you could only have one Old Testament book, what would it be? Mm. Boy, that's a tough question. That is. Um, I know. Uh, so, Pastor Ray Ortland, uh, who was he was pastor in Nashville, he said, "If there is one book that you should devote yourself to in the Old Testament, it's the Book of Isaiah, the fifth gospel, the fifth gospel." Yeah, that's right, and. Um, Isaiah has been full of controversy in terms of how it's been structured and organized mm-hmm. and all of those details, but put that aside. That's that's scholarly nonsense and uh, it's not worth our time. For me, uh, the book of Isaiah is just uh, an incredible book. Uh, it's it's a complicated book though that, that people often struggle through because yeah. there's all these woes to various nations and there's the the setting is is unusual and it flip flops between poetry and some narrative and some some apocalyptic style literature at the end. The timeline jumps around quite it, a bit too. It is very wild in that yeah. way. Um, but the other book, uh, boy, if I if I had to, if I could pick two books, I would say the other one is the Psalms. And I don't know too many people who don't love the Psalms. Um, the Psalms, I think just, well, well, Calvin, John Calvin, he would say they are the anatomy of the soul. And Luther would say in them are contained the entire uh, scriptures so that they are such as a little Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really hoping that we're going to be able to get uh, a good friend of mine here onto Table Talk um, in a couple weeks, uh, who's, who is a, a Psalms scholar. Ooh. Uh, he has he's got a work coming out with IVP, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to what he's got to do. So those are my two. If I, if I'm cheating, if if you really really had to pin me down to one, I'd probably say the Psalms. How about you? If you're gonna choose a book from the Old Testament, which one would it be? I am going right back to the beginning to the book of Genesis, um, especially as I've begun to understand the scriptures as one big overarching narrative, it's become clearer and clearer to me that the book of Genesis is just so important and so foundational to basically everything. I mean, beyond the obvious that we have the the beginning, we have the the creation and the fall into sin and all of that, which to me actually isn't the most interesting part of Genesis. It's very important, but I think that can be a bit of a a bit of a muddy swamp that you can get lost in and you know all the all the creation debates and all of this that that stuff is 
maybe less intriguing to me. Uh, that's not really why I love the book of Genesis, but you get really very early on in the book of Genesis, the unfolding of God's plan of redemption, some of the most important covenants in the whole Bible. You, mm-hmm. you have Noah, you have Abraham, all of these things. It is, if we didn't have Genesis, there'd be so much that we, we wouldn't know and wouldn't have. It's, it's maybe in my mind, one of the more densely packed Old Testament books. And just in terms of the, the sheer number of really crucial elements of, of biblical history all in one book. And I, I find that to be very fascinating as well. I think my, my favorite story in the whole Bible is also in the book of Genesis. And maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. A little bit of a sneak preview there. So Andrew, well, feel free to talk about both uh, Isaiah and <laughs> Psalms. Uh, what what in particular do you love about that book? We've, or those books? We've we've already talked about it a little bit, but we can go go a little bit deeper here as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> during the uh, during the pandemic, I went through the book of Psalms, and I did an intensive study, and we recorded them, and that that was the original table talk, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I spent, I don't know, 15, 16 weeks going through the book of Psalms. It's a lot, yeah. And um, I, I fell in love with the structure of the Psalms. Um, I, had, I had read a, a book uh, that kind of was um, exposing me more and more to the scholarly thinking of the big picture of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it's, um, it's a bunch of individual Psalms that were written at different times by individuals, um, it's put together like a hymnal. Yeah. Uh, if you think of a hymnal, um, all the songs about God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit, redemption, atonement, the church, Christmas, Easter, they're all kind of put together in a hymnal. And in a similar way, um, what you have in, in the Psalms is this ordering of, of Psalms that are actually telling a bit of Israel's history and the covenant that God made and setting up David as king and how he would abide by the word. And then it ends with this longing uh, for a future king. And and what I found in the book was just um, both ministry to my own personal soul, but then a story of God's incredible redemption throughout history. Mm-hmm. And that's really what uh, caused me to love, uh, love it. The book of Isaiah uh, it's it's a little bit more uh, difficult to say why I love it. Um, when I think about the book of Isaiah, uh, it still is a book that I want to dig into more. It's one of the Old Testament books that um, there's a sense of intrigue because when I when I did some initial writing on it, I forget when it was. I did an Advent devotional. Yeah. And I called it Isaiah's Christmas. And I, I every day during Advent, a, a number of years ago, I just went through section by section and I tried to write about a, a four to 600 word summary of that section. Sure, many of our listeners have, have read that. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's available on a website. Um, I, I, what I found was that I fell in love with Isaiah's cosmic vision of the gospel. Hmm that Isaiah could see the the realities of sin and how terrible it was and the destruction to God's people, but also the hope of of God's redeeming grace. And it struck me in a profound way that 
Uh, Isaiah looks at all of all of redemptive history from the beginning to the end till the new heavens and new earth. And uh, it, it closes with some of these most glorious chapters. Uh, chapters 40 through 66 um, are these great songs of hope. So mm-hmm. for me, that's, that caused me to fall in love with the book. And it made me look at, it made me dive in and go, what are these other pieces that are maybe more difficult to understand? Why are they there? And what do they exist for? So, so for me, that's, that's what drew me to both the Psalms and to the book of Isaiah. But when you think about Genesis, what is it for you that caused you to go, this is a fascinating book that I, I just love and I want to know more about. Yeah, Genesis is kind of a wild book in some ways. There's all sorts of stories in it. It spans such a long period of time. And depending on where you are in the book of Genesis, it can be it can be very, very different from, from one chapter to another. But I think when you look at it as a whole, it's so clearly a display of God's faithfulness and sovereignty and goodness to his people. We have some of the darkest stories in mm-hmm. all of scripture in Genesis. We see the, the reality of human sin so incredibly clearly. And yet through all of it, we see God keeps his promises. He, he makes promises in Genesis and he keeps those promises. And he's continuing to keep those promises to us here today. And that, that I think those continued stories of God's faithfulness, even in the midst of human brokenness is really, not that that isn't in other places in the Bible, but I think there's a, a particular depth of depravity in Genesis that is contrasted with such a clear and obvious faithfulness from the Lord that I, I think is quite remarkable. And in particular, I mentioned this a, a little bit earlier. Uh, my, my favorite biblical story is the story of Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis. And that is such a clear, a clear story about God's sovereignty and his plan and his purposes mm-hmm. and faithfulness, even, even in the midst of all sorts of brokenness and terrible life circumstances. And I've, I've always taken great comfort in that. And I think if, if you want to think more deeply about God's sovereignty and faithfulness. There aren't too many better books that you can read, I think, than, than the book of Genesis. And so then we, before we give some more resources, we will ask one more question to each of us. And that's what, what initially drew us to these books in the first place. And so Andrew, Psalms, Isaiah, one or both, what, what drew you to those books? You touched on that a little bit, but we can we can flesh that out a little bit more before we move on to our recommendations. Yeah, two things that immediately drew me to the Psalms. Uh, as a kid, uh, we just sang a lot of yeah. the Psalms. Um, I memorized Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, there's Psalms of longing, uh, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you. Uh, Psalm 63, uh, uh, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul longs for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord God Almighty. Uh, my soul longs even thirsts for the courts of my God. And and so there's these these psalms that just resonate with with our soul. Um, and, and they, I don't know, there's, they're the most personal, intense. Uh, they're prayers, they're songs, they're, their ministry to the soul. So from childhood, they became 
very precious to me. Then in ministry, one of the things that I found was in my first pastorate, I would go and visit seniors and I would say, is there a passage of scripture I could read to you? Almost inevitably, someone would say, could you read me this Psalm? Yeah. And, and they found such comfort in it. And, and what I realized was how, how God had given Israel's history in these songs in a way that just ministered to people where, where prose and poetry can just penetrate the hardness of our hearts and the difficulties of circumstances. Mm-hmm. We identify uh, with that. Uh, the book of Isaiah, uh, what drew me to it? It was just, the more I read it, the more it was like, I want to understand this more. There's something profound and deep here. There's something uh, enormous about God's vision for the world. And uh, I, I still feel like I've just only scratched the surface of it. Um, Ray Ortland, he, he says, uh, if you could spend your entire life in one book, if you could devote yourself to, to one book, uh, he encourages people to, to do that in, in terms of the Old Testament book, in terms of Isaiah. Yeah. And um, I, I think for good reason, there's so much there. Um, we know a lot of the a lot of the great passages from Isaiah forty to sixty six. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Um, we can think about um, though you pass through the waters, you know I will be with you. Um, that He has etched us in the palm of His hand. Uh, there's these great refrains. Come, all you are thirsty. Uh, come, you know you who have no money, come buy and eat. Um, the barren woman will sing because her children are more numerous than the woman who has children. And there's just these glorious pictures that, mm-hmm. that give you hope and comfort. That's why I love them. Uh, when you think of the book of uh, Genesis though, Genesis is, it's not prose or poetry. Mm. It's uh, a lot of narrative that's a going on. A lot of on. stuff, yeah. Yeah, so what is it that drew you to the book of Genesis? I mentioned it a little bit in the at the start of this podcast, but it, it was when I began to understand the the overall story of Scripture, the story of redemption. It it became clear to me that so much of it is found in the Book of Genesis. If you want to understand uh, what God has been doing throughout history to to save people to send his son, you have to, you have to go back to the the book of Genesis and so much of it is there. And so that's been my primary appreciation of the, of the book of Genesis is seeing all of the ways that, that God's plan to send Christ was so clearly in place so many thousands of years before, really right back to the very beginning of creation that was always there. And as we, as we, with our children here in the church, read through sort of storybook Bibles that go through the whole narrative of scripture. And as with our own children right now, my wife and I are reading those. It's, there's so much of those wonderful stories of God's faithfulness are found in Genesis. And it, it takes a, maybe a little bit to get through, you know, the, the, the genealogy passages. And there are some complications and sort of difficult parts of the book of, of Genesis, but I, I step away from it just so strongly feeling God's faithfulness to his people to, you know, first to first to one man and then to a family and then to an entire nation. And you, mm-hmm. you see so much of God's promise unfold in such a short amount of time. And I, I think that's pretty remarkable. And so we now 
just like we did last week, want to give you listeners a couple of resources that can be helpful to you if you want to understand these books and dive a little bit deeper into them. And so what resources have you picked out for this week for our listeners? Yeah, uh, on the Psalms, I'll mention uh, three brief resources. Um, so Martin Luther, uh, shock, shock, Andrew mentions Martin Luther. Um, Martin Luther, uh, he began preaching and uh, teaching through the Psalms uh, really before the Reformation was in full swing. Mm -hmm. And they had a profound impact on him. Um, He's got, uh, there's a little book, I think it's by Concordia. uh, Concordia, yeah, it's by Concordia Press. Um, It's called Reading the Psalms with Luther. And it's it's a wonderful little book that just takes you through all 150 Psalms in a devotional style. The other book uh, that's a devotion is by uh, by Dane Ortland. This is Ray Ortland's son. It's called "In the Lord I Take Refuge." Uh, my family is currently using this for our family devotions. Uh, we read the Psalm, then we read a little devotion, and he's got a great uh, reflection on the Psalm and on Christ and how it applies to us. For me, the book that shaped my understanding the most of the Psalms, if you want to dig in deeper, is O. Palmer Robertson. Uh, the letter O, O, Palmer Robertson. It's called The Flow of the Psalms. And in that, he looks at the structure of the Psalms. In terms of the book of Isaiah, there's lots of resources there uh, that I could mention, uh, but I'll mention two. Ray Ortland, uh, his Isaiah sermon series, it's called Isaiah, God Save Sinners and Preaching the Word. Um, wonderful sermons. And Ray, I've heard Ray preach. I've spent a little bit of time with him. Uh, just a, a gospel-saturated man. And that book is fantastic. And then the other book that I would recommend is by Alec, I don't know how to say his name, Mater, M-O-Y-T-E-R. Uh, he uh, passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, it's Day by Day with Isaiah. Mm. And it's just simply the book of Isaiah, his translation and some thoughts. And then you can journal along with it. And I really love that. How about for you? When you think of... Uh, when you think of, oh, I should mention, <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. In in August, my friend Ian Valancourt has a book uh, that's coming out uh, with InterVarsity Press, and it's called Treasuring the Psalms, How to Read the Songs that Shape the Soul of the Church. You'll hear uh, an echo to Calvin there. Um, I, I read through the uh, early manuscript, and uh, when it went, when it got sent off to the uh, publisher, and I can't wait to get this into the hands of people uh, because the Psalms, it's a treasure and that's why it's called Treasuring the Psalms. So for you, uh, Genesis, what are some resources there that would whet people's appetite for this book? Uh, one of the things that I think with the Old Testament is sort of a, a particular a particular dynamic that is even stronger than it is in the the New Testament is just that there's there's so much sort of cultural distance between us yeah. and so much of what's going on in the Old Testament and Genesis, of course, being all one of the more old books that we have, can be there. There's a lot that we can miss if we don't have a good grasp of sort of everything everything that's going on there from kind of a historical cultural perspective. Certainly not that there isn't lots to be gained from Genesis, but I found even learning just a little bit about sort of the the context around that book really makes a big difference. And so 
two sort of levels of that that I think could really help someone looking to dive a little bit deeper. The first, I've, I've said this a thousand times, I'll probably say it a thousand times more. A great study Bible will go a long way. Yeah. I always recommend the, the ESV study Bible. You'll get really good breakdowns of uh, what's the structure of this book? Why is it the way that it is? What, what's the deal with all the genealogies? And how does, how does it connect with the rest of scripture? That is a great place to start for anyone wanting to dive just a little bit deeper. There are some great sort of Old Testament survey books, that, something like what you would read in a, in a kind of a first year Old Testament course in a, a Bible college. There, there's, one, there's one by Gleason Archer that we use so that is very good, very thorough, a little more scholarly, a little more academic. But if you really want to, to get a better understanding of what the world was like, what was going on outside of the pages of scripture during the time of Genesis, that will make, a, I think, a big difference and help give you a frame of reference when you're reading the book of Genesis, which is a book that maybe more than some benefits from a frame of, of reference, I, th- I think, especially in more complicated passages. Uh, lastly, I will mention for those, for those who want to dive super deep, you would need to have a quite a constitution for reading if you want to read this book. But uh, if you, if you want to think more about the, the covenants and the, the structures of the Bible as a, as a Southern Seminary grad, as a Canadian <laughs> Southern Seminary grad, I would be remiss to not at least mention the book Kingdom Through Covenant by Peter Gentry and Stephen Wellam. That is a, a tome that would be big enough to use as a weapon if you wanted to. It, I've got it, two copies and I'll hurt you with it. Yeah, it is, it is quite a book, but <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you have the, the, the constitution for it, you, that book really dives deep into the covenantal structure of the Old Testament, especially of, of Genesis and how that works itself out in the rest of the Bible. A wonderful, wonderful book. I think a, a big sort of landmark book landmark piece it's Uh, reshaping a lot of uh, the church's thinking on theology absolutely and written by two incredible Canadian Canadians Bible scholars uh, that I think both of us have had the the pleasure of sitting under uh, at some point and so can to to the brave among you, I could recommend Kingdom Through Covenant as well. I'd I'd say to um, I'd be remiss uh, I gotta plug my friend Ian's books here because uh uh, he did footnote me in this book, and uh, and he uh, might be on this podcast soon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm plugging him for all it's worth here. Uh, Ian Valancourt he wrote a book, The Dawning of Redemption, which t- traces uh, just the storyline of Genesis through Deuteronomy, mm. and uh, it's by Crossway. Fantastic book, very very readable, and uh, you would find that to be very encouraging. Makes sense of a lot of stuff in the Old Testament, and in in the in the first five books that you just go, what on earth is going on? So the dawning of redemption. There we go. So that is it now for our episode on our favorite books of the Old Testament. Thank you to all of you who have listened in. Always glad to have you join with us. And next week we'll wrap up this little series. We'll be talking about our our favorite authors, uh, not authors of scripture, but of other Christian books and other pieces of Christian literature. So we're, we're going to step away from the Bible to, to talk about other, other helpful Christian resources. We'll look forward to that conversation. Thanks for joining us for this week, and we will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.